In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So this passage from Luke's Gospel always makes me very nervous. Uh, to be truthful, a lot of the Gospel makes me very nervous. Huh. As a clergy person, am I like the Pharisee? You know, Jesus frequently disparages folks who today we would call clergy. Am I like the scribes? who like to wear long robes, have the best seats at church, and places of honor at banquets. Well, in one sense, we're all Pharisees. We're all respectable, responsible, mainstream, and not exactly on the margins of society. And we're probably like the Pharisee, and that it is so easy to look down on those whom we consider to be irresponsible, who make bad decisions for themselves or others, who live in the outer bounds of respectability. Some of you probably watch MSNBC. Some of you probably watch Fox News. And if we watch MSNBC, we probably look down on those who watch Fox and vice versa. As you know, we've become an incredibly polarized nation. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, it's fair to say, hate each other, hold each other at the very least in contempt. Each believes that he or she is right and the other person is wrong, dead wrong. The days when Republican politicians and Democratic politicians, conservative and liberal, could work together for the common good seems to be passe. And those days when politicians of different ideological stripes could fight it out during the day and get together socially in the evening seem far behind us. Yet, if we take Jesus' words seriously, we should be able to respect each other even when we disagree with each other. And I have to say, even in the Episcopal Church, we've had some trouble holding to that traditional Anglican view that we should be able to debate and argue with one another and ultimately, if necessary, agree to disagree. Our gospel, <clears throat> excuse me, our gospel follows last week's parable of the persistent widow and the unjust judge. And again, our parable is arguably about prayer. This week's antagonists are the Pharisee and the tax collector. They're both Jews. One would be considered a paragon of virtue, a pillar of the community, the upholder and interpreter of Jewish law and tradition. The other would be considered the scum of the earth. It's not unlike Luke's 
other parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the priest and the Levite would normally be the heroes and the Samaritan would be the villain. You know that tax collectors were collaborators with the enemy, the Roman occupiers. They were considered thieves and scoundrels who cheated their fellow Jews, collecting more taxes than were actually due, sometimes much more, and living off the difference. Even if they had collected no more than what was due, they would still have been considered sinful people. The Pharisee prays. It's a self-congratulatory prayer. He brags about who he is, who he isn't, what he does, fasting and tithing. He doesn't thank God for anything. He doesn't even ask God for anything. In stark contrast, the tax collector assumes a posture of humility and repentance, literally beating his breast. His prayer is short and simple and certainly not self-congratulatory. God be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, actually not a bad prayer for all of us. The sinful tax collector is forgiven, granted mercy by the grace of God. The Pharisee, he doesn't even realize he needs forgiving. So we have our second week of teaching on prayer. One commentator refers to last week and this week's parables as the promise of persistent prayer and the peril of presumptuous prayer. A good test for the microphone. By be persistent in prayer like the widow, don't be a jerk in prayer like the Pharisee. Get real like the tax collector. Recognize that we're all sinners. We're all in need of forgiveness. We all fall into the trap of smug self-righteousness. You know, it's just so easy to judge others, to play the role of the Pharisee rather than the tax collector. But at the end of the day, our story is about more than prayer, just as was last week's story. Last week was about seeking justice and granting mercy, not just in our prayer, but in our lives not just in our words, but in our deeds. And this week is about leading non-judgmental lives, worrying about our own faults and need for forgiveness, not other folks. This theme picks up on an earlier chapter in Luke's Gospel. In chapter six, Jesus is explicit. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Jesus asks, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye but do not notice the log in your own eye? The Dalai Lama has a nice spin on this. He says, to be aware of a single shortcoming within oneself is more useful than to be aware of a thousand in somebody else. 
when we speak of others, speak of their good qualities. Or, as my mother used to say, if you can't say good about something good about somebody, don't say anything. And just to make sure that we get the point, Jesus ends the story by adding these cautionary words. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. So we're left with a real challenge. How can we be intentionally humble? Will humility lead to pride, pride to self-righteousness, and then we're right back where we started with the Pharisee. It's really challenging. Can we be humble without being proud of it? As the old country song goes, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> Thomas Merton, Trappist monk, mystic, and author, said, Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real, real. In an age where people are supposedly seeking authenticity, where there's supposed to be a premium on what is real versus what is artificial, natural, not synthetic, humility seems to be in very short supply. In our leaders, in our politicians, in our celebrities, maybe even in us. Get real, that's a great thought. I guess it shouldn't be too surprising that our gospel is countercultural, that it's difficult and challenging because, you know, that's really what the gospel is for the most part. So I really only have one answer, one proposal for dealing with this conundrum. And that would be the grace and mercy of God. May our prayer always be, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And may God have mercy on our nation this election. Amen.